calling today's word one blood. Continuing the narrative in Acts chapter 17 from verse 1, we see that Paul and Silas and Timothy arrive at Thessalonica in the northern part of Greece, where Paul preaches in the synagogues as usual, teaching from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, and many Jews and devout Greeks, Gentile men and women, believed. But Paul and his company encountered the usual opposition from unbelieving Jews. Everywhere he went, he got opposition. And in Thessalonica, they were opposed, the Jews were opposed to that message of Paul. And they stirred up a rowdy mob to get him. He was used to that sort of thing. And he was staying in the home of a man called Jason. That was his host. So, and, and Jason was kind of shielding him. So they arrested Jason. I said, what are you doing? Shielding Paul. But Jason was able, with his connections, to get Paul out of the city. And so they didn't like the fact that Jason was looking after Paul because what they said about Paul in Thessalonica was, this man is turning the world upside down. I mean, what a compliment. I don't think Paul minded that at all. Getting a rowdy mob against him, as long as you know that you're turning the world the right way up, which is what Paul was doing. So he gets out of the city, and Paul and Silas and Timothy go to Berea, where he preaches the gospel. And it's welcomed by these people. They're discerning, they search the scriptures to verify what Paul was teaching them. So that's a, a good thing to do. I know that's what you do. Look at the scriptures. of saying, I want to get that into me, the living word. So while they're in Berea and things are going well, the angry Jews from Thessalonica, which is 75 kilometres away, come storming him to get Paul again. They weren't going to leave him alone. So Timothy and Silas, they say to Paul, you're going to have to escape again. We're going to have to get you out of here. And so they got him on a boat to Athens, right down at the bottom of Greece. He sailed down to Athens. And they told Paul, wait for us. We'll come to you when we can get organised. But you go, get out of here. And you think, there was no magic carpet ride for Paul. Everywhere he went, he had a plan. Then he had to run away from things. And you think, what's going wrong? Nothing's going wrong. The Holy Spirit was getting <laughs> by whatever means to be in the right place at the right time. There he was in Athens. So all the troublesome threat and harassment turned out to be another providential arrangement by the Holy Spirit to get Paul to talk to the Greek philosophers in Athens who followed the teachings of the Epicureans and the Stoics. The Epicureans, they espoused the search for happiness and pleasure. And their gods were caricatures of their pleasure-seeking. You know, the god of wine, Bacchus, etc. Let's have a drink to Bacchus. The Stoics, on the other hand, believed in detachment from Epicurean sensuality, along with an indifference to pain or happiness, which allowed them to focus on the more important religious matters with their gods and their idols. Everybody's looking for something. 
Now, every day, Paul went out into the streets and talked with anyone who would listen about Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. Followers of both these Greek philosophies were curious. What's this new God of the resurrection that Paul is speaking about? So they arranged for him to meet them at the Areopagus, which was an open hill area used as a court for political and religious debate and discussion. They were always working out what's new, what's new, let's debate it. This fellow's got something new. So they asked him about these strange new things he was bringing to their ears. Paul had noticed an inscription to one of their gods that they called the unknown god. And that god was the one that he decided to bring to their attention. Paul fully understood the Greek spirit. It was obsessed with seeking wisdom and knowledge. And Paul even writes later that this is what the Greeks always look for. They seek for wisdom and knowledge. And he knew this. And he understood their problem with their so-called gods. He knew that while they had defined and labelled gods for everything they wanted, according to their philosophies and their ideologies, their deepest human need to know God went totally unmet. There's too much else going on in life, very much like today. And their unknown God had nothing to say about their self-serving beliefs and ideologies. There's no revelation in that. Now, Paul, the Greek scholar, he was familiar with that earnest search for God in his own mind and heart. And he had come to know their so-called unknown God personally. And he was able to bring all of those people the revelation that their unknown God was the one true God revealed in Jesus Christ. In debating with these Greek philosophers, Paul sums up the history and the destiny of humanity from the very beginning of history. And he reveals the hidden answer to the search in every human heart, which is to know God. As we see in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 8 through to 11, God makes everything beautiful in his time and he's placed eternity in the hearts of man so that they will not know what God does from the beginning to the end. And you think, well, what's eternity doing there if they don't know? It's because the only way that you can know what God does is to have faith that he's real and that he speaks to us. And Paul was wanting them he was building a picture for them. You want the unknown God? Let's talk about him. So he sets about revealing God to them as the one who does not dwell in man-made temples and who has no need for statues or idols since he gives life to all living things. That's what it says in the scripture here in Acts. He revealed God as the one who is vitally interested in every human life and who has created all people from one blood or from one created human life in Adam. And that's how he started preaching to them. We're all of one blood. Now, this is not the way that Paul preached to the Jews. Paul would only sum up their history from the time of Abraham. That's where he'd always start with the Jews. 
When Paul spoke to those men from Athens at the Areopagus almost 2,000 years ago, not quite, he was speaking down through the ages into our world at this current time in history with its materialistic mindset, ideologies, its obsession with political and cultural and social identities that all compete for attention and prominence and power, just like those people, their gods in Greece. Paul told them then, as he tells us now, and quoting from the scripture in verse 28, God has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and he has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings beforehand. So that is a reason. There's a reason you are where you are, who you are. And there's a reason that you're in the situation and the circumstances that you're in. And here is the reason. So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might search for him and find him, for he is close to each one of us. That's the message. He didn't say that to the Jews. This was for people like us, the Gentiles. Now that means that for us here today, in this here and now life, that we can find fulfilment in him as the God with us. He's close to us. He's with us in Jesus. In verse 29, he even quotes one of their own Greek writers who said, in him we live and move and have our being as we are his offspring. And scripture goes on to say, therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or something shaped by art and man's devising. In past times, God may have tolerated man's ignorance about those things. But now he commands everyone, everywhere, to repent from that ignorant and self-serving mindset and to put away false and imagined gods and ideologies and to believe in and worship God in Christ. And he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. So Paul here presents God as the reality of all realities who now exists as the glorified person of Jesus Christ. That's who God is now in heaven, the glorified Jesus Christ with the Father. He's been risen from the dead and he wants to exist and live within and through our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the reality of what's happening in the world today. That's God's reality. It was when Paul preached the resurrection of Jesus that some mocked him, but others were open to this truth and said, we will hear you again on this matter. The Bible says that a number of faithful people became followers on that day. That's such a happy but sad reality about the acceptance and rejection of truth that we still see around us today. But it is there. And I believe people are going to be given ears to hear in the days in which we live. Paul's words to them and to us can turn this 
current world upside down. And it's happening. So much is going on behind the scenes that God is bringing about. It looks chaotic. God says, I'm in command of all of this. It's tipping over. This is going to happen again, as it did in those days. A sovereign God in command of our lives, no matter where we live, what we're doing or what the surrounding circumstances are. And he has a purpose and a destiny for each one of us in all those things to seek and to find and to know God. Paul said, we are all of one blood, all of humanity in Adam, the entire global community of all nations and tribes and ideologies, including the evils of terrorism, terrorists that incite war to the death in the day that we live. But nonetheless, as the Bible says about everyone on the earth in any and every circumstance of life, that their reality of all realities is, in all of that, as he said it before, and he's saying it now, that they may search for God in the hope that they may find him. For in God they live and move and have their being. Is he leaving anybody out there? Can you detect that maybe there are some not included? No, everybody is included that there is something that God is doing that's way beyond our intellect to comprehend or our imagination, that everything that's happening is for that reason that we might seek and in the hope that we might find and I believe that we might hear him so that we can do what he's saying, what to do next in each of our lives. That they may find him because in God they live and move and have their being even when they don't know it or even when they don't want to know it. That's their reality. That truth must not be left in the setting of an unknown God. No. Paul would have nothing to do with, oh, you've got this problem of an unknown God, let me solve it. That's the God in Jesus Christ that can be known. That is to be declared and lived out by those who will believe that their lives are hidden with Christ in God. There is a word from God to the world today. We see chaos, disorder, and God says, I'm in the midst of everything for a reason, that they might seek me in the hope that they might find me, because In me they live and move and have their being. So it's to be declared. Now, is this a fantasy of Paul's? Did he kind of, was he a bit overexcited when he said this? This is immortalised in scripture. It's not a fantasy. It is indeed the reality of all realities for all people. Paul also declared in his later writings to us, something further to this, that it was no longer just him that was living in God and having his being in God, but it was Christ who was living through him. And this is the mystery of an unlimited God being made manifest through a weak, limited human being. That's us. 
weak, limited human beings and an unlimited God saying, I'm going to live through you. Well, pick somebody else, Lord, because I am weak. He said, good. You're the first candidate. God once lived as a pure spirit being in the Trinity of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in heaven. That's all there was. There's no earth, no universe, no us. And this pure spirit being was totally unlimited in all respects. But when Christ became incarnated and born from above in the person of Jesus into the earth, God changed his being from pure spirit being and became embodied through a limited human being in Jesus Christ. Something changed in the very being of God. And Jesus had to tell people quite forcefully that he was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He told people, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's God. He emptied himself not to puff himself up with that and he became as a servant. But God lived through him. Then Jesus died and rose again. Well, then what happens? God had one chance, not just to have man to live and have their being in him, but to, for God to live and move and have his being in a human being. It was Jesus. It was perfect. What happened then was the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts as the spirit of the glorified, resurrected human Jesus so that we can believe, like Paul, that God lives in us as Father and Son and Holy Spirit. That's in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. You have the fullness of the Godhead, that you might know all the fullness of God, to know the, the love of Christ, the length and depth and breadth and height, that you may be full with all the fullness of God. That's a promise. It's to the people who say, leave me out. I can't ever match up to that. And he says, yes, you do, by just saying what you said. <laughs> it's in your weakness that I'll find my strength. So, we may well hunger and desire that we can live our lives through Christ who strengthens us. We can live our lives through Christ who strengthens us. Hey, but it doesn't stop there. How much more must we realise that God yearns and desires to live the fullness of his Godhead life through us? It's not our limited humanity that stops God from having his being embodied in the earth as well as in heaven. Jesus is in heaven. The risen, glorified Jesus Christ, a man and God. And on earth he's saying, you are now my body to embody us here in heaven. So it's not our limited humanity that stops God from being embodied in the earth as well as in heaven. It is our unbelief that God could or would do such a thing. But we know that we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the glory will be of God and not of us. So don't count yourself out. Paul presents us with the reality of all realities. That by faith, we can embody and impart 
the life and presence of God into our world around us. Do you want to see your world turned upside down or right way up? Well, embody this. Oh, but no, not me. Him. Her. No. This is what the reality is of our life, sitting deeper than the material reality that we see and touch with our physical senses. We've all got that happening to us all the time. But the reality of all realities that lies beneath that is that we are embodying the living God. It's his choice to do that who is where we are and who desires to do what he knows will bring his will and his power and his love into the blessing of what we do. We're not alone. That's your purpose. You think in the middle of all of this doesn't seem to be very kind of significant. God says, what I do doesn't always look significant. You've got the treasure in earthen vessels. But when my will comes to pass, everything changes and is reordered according to the kingdom of God. This becomes our knowable reality as we believe in the activity of his good will that can grace any moment of our lives if we know what's really going on. Capture it and grow in it. As we share communion today, we are not simply partakers of the one blood from Adam, but we are partakers by faith of the one blood of Jesus Christ. One blood. The blood of life. The cup we drink is the blood of the new covenant that gives us new life. That's communion. The bread is his body. And we embody that truth. As we sit together in the grace of our communion moment we're going to have, we can realise the reality of all realities that we embody, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we can bring that reality into the lives of those in our world as we go out from this place. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for inviting us into communion with you. Praise God.